This is Business Impact, a podcast series from UCD College of Business, Ireland's leading business school. I'm your host, Emmett Oliver, and each episode, I'll be joined by world-renowned faculty from across the College of Business, as well as international industry leaders who offer us insight, spark curiosity, and challenge you to rethink how you do business in a changing world. As the better weather comes in, and we really have had some wonderful weather in recent weeks, a lot of us are getting outdoors, some of us are climbing mountains, some of us are sailing down rivers, some of us are playing sport, football, rugby, hockey, camogie, you name it, they're all out there. A lot of them, obviously, the GA season is heading towards its first phases, but will peak later on in the summer. So it is really that time of the year, it's the smell of cut grass and people getting nets and footballs out and all sorts of things. And For the first time for many years, you can see real sense and signs of a more diverse sporting universe out there. All sorts of different sports and so many different people playing, people from other countries. We have Ukrainians coming out and playing football and GA around the country. And we have a lot more diversity overall in our sporting world and sector at the moment. And we're going to be discussing that today in our conversation. Our guest is Neve Tallon, who is the backer, founder and main driving force behind HerSport.ie. It is the first ever dedicated platform to women in sport. And she's my guest today. You're very welcome to Business Impact, Neve. Hi, how are you? Great to be on to talk to you today. Really appreciate it. First of all, as I said in the intro, it's that time of the year. That's sort of when the sporting calendar reaches its peak. Obviously, some of the um, global sport, the premiership and so on, are kind of heading towards their end. GEA season is coming in. It really is. There's a sort of a feeling in the air, particularly with the pandemic slipping away. The sport is really kind of front and centre as we go on. And your website is at the centre of it. It's certainly trying to get in and get some oxygen. Tell us, first of all, a little bit about the site and how you got involved in the first place. Yeah, so I started um, her sports actually while I was doing um, my master's in UCD. Um, I saw kind of the disparity that was there for women's sports, uh, lack of media coverage, and really started off as a project just to see if we gain any traction and where it could possibly go. So yeah, I just started writing content, my background's in um, commerce, and then digital marketing was the masters that I, well, that I studied. So I had the, I suppose, expertise and the familiarity with social media to set up those platforms and, and just put it out there. So uh, a lot more cost effective doing that now than uh, having to create a magazine or a newspaper and um, what it cost me at the time was essentially time and effort from my own perspective. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been some journey since, you know, now we're nearly halfway through 2022. Um, we have an audience, a digital audience of over 65,000 people. Um, we've had two magazines come out with our partners um, in the Business Post and we have had our awards shown on TG Carr. So it's been some journey in the past couple of years. And tell us a little bit about yourself, Neve. Uh, are, are you somebody that comes from a sporting background? Have you played a lot of sport yourself? Well, where did the interest come from? I mean, I've always been involved in sport, like I'd say from probably four years old. Um, I swam competitively when I was in secondary school and uh, continued that on uh, through college and then picked up rowing in college and I'm still rowing at the moment. But I would have dabbled in a couple other sports along the way, uh, a little less seriously than I did, than I took swimming or rowing. Yeah, it's interesting to see the the differences between, um, you know, men's and women's sports. But I have to say, like, until I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, I actually didn't really notice it myself. And that's probably a credit to swimming and um, how kind of balanced that, that particular sport is. Still involved at the moment. Um, which is which is good fun and uh, just trying to make a change, I suppose, for the next generation so that we can see, um, you know, people getting the same opportunities. 
Now, one of the, 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 the issues, there's, well, there's a whole range of issues, and anyone who f- follows the debate in women's football team, the women's rugby team, you know, there's been issues in the media in recent months about funding and how the governing bodies of these various sports uh, manage them and, and sort of interact with them, people and the people who play in the different sports. But before we get into all those kind of issues, one of the issues that we do see ever-present is participation itself, getting those numbers up, and then also the control and, and kind of governance of the sports as they kind of grow bigger and bigger. I suppose in some ways it's a sign of success just to see participation levels growing in raw number terms. But again, visibility is very important. Do you see your site playing a part in that area of just making the, the, the women's sports themselves just better known, better engaged with the public? Visibility is it's really, really important. You know, when you're talking about the participation levels, like a statistic that I think shocks a lot of people is that twice as many girls drop out of sport as boys by the age of 14 uh, and there really is a lot of work to be done there to retain girls in sport and, you know, make sure that we're understanding some of the difficulties, some of the barriers to entry uh, to keep people involved. Because, you know, elite sport is a very, very, very small percentage of the population. And there's just so much can be gained from sport in terms of skills, friendships, you know, um, mental and physical health benefits. So there's there's huge benefit from being involved. And it's just about trying to keep as many people interested as possible. But from our perspective, yeah. Um, a couple of the first people to follow us on, on social media included um, Sunita Pushpore, uh, Sonia Sullivan, and a lot of elite athletes all around Ireland. And now we've built that to across the world. Um, and I think they they got it. They understood. Um, at the time, it was 4% of sports media coverage in Ireland goes to women's support. And that's actually a global figure. It's, it's now raised to 6% in Ireland. So at least we're on the, the right trajectory. But um, this was a huge lack of visibility for women in sport. It is hopefully improving, but people are now tuning into what we're doing to keep up to date with what's going on in terms of competition reports, interviews, getting to know athletes, um, and also keeping the finger on the pulse in terms of the landscape of women's sport, like what's changing and what are some of the difficulties that people are having, how can we learn from them and how can we keep pushing everything forward? Now, obviously, you're a UCD graduate, as you explained in the introduction, and we always do like, if we can, to feature UCD graduates on this podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, you've obviously got an interest in sport, you participated, and there's so many different ways to make a contribution in that area. What was it that sort of switched you onto the idea of a website in particular? You know, was there something there beyond just sport in terms of publishing or media, or what was, was it the sport? So which, which side of that equation, I suppose, did you come from, or both? I had seen some disparity in a couple of different sports, and, you know, I felt that I had the skill set um, to make a change and to try something that wasn't going to risk so much for me. Um, like from a financial perspective, like there wasn't a huge investment. Like it was, you know, buying the domain name and hosting the website. And, and, and it was like, okay, let's see how this goes. And, you know, if this makes somewhat of a positive contribution, it's better than doing nothing. While I was doing my master's, I began speaking to somebody in UCD about doing a PhD and looking at the research. So I guess from my background, like I'm in marketing, I'm trying to understand like what are the mistakes that we've made? Like how come, um, you know, girls and women aren't relating to what's going on? How come they're not staying involved? So I started looking at a couple of the different barriers to entry, um, including the marketing of uh, sports clothing, sports people, um, and that, you know, that that landscape. And then you, you get into different issues like societal conditioning and how uh, girls and women are raised and um, how they're treated. Um, and then, yeah, there's just, there's just so much there when it comes to funding and, and that type of thing. So yeah, really I had, I had started looking at the PhD and then I was like, okay, that's kind of four years of a commitment. And, 
uh, I felt that I couldn't really contribute till about year two or year three. And uh, like I could see it happening faster from creating the website and creating the social channels. And um, I'm really glad that I went that route. Like not that I don't have interest in research, I absolutely do. But I think now it's something that we can do uh, parallel to to what we're doing um, with the website and with the digital platform. And um, there's so much there. And, you know, it, it, it can come down to the marketing. Like there was a little bit of difficulty there. It's probably 18 months ago um, where Irish Rugby in Canterbury had uh, used models instead of the national team players to advertise the jerseys and they got in a bit of hot water over that. And, you know, that's it, the audience just don't relate to the models. Like that's not giving you a, the right picture um, of, of female rugby players. And uh, I'd say quite insulting from the rugby players perspective that, you know, on the men's side, they're using the players and the women's side, they weren't, but um, we would have covered that. And, and thankfully what came out of that was the country made a promise to never use models again and that they'd always use players but there's a lot in that and uh, not having this kind of picture perfect world and making sure that it's it's relatable and, and I think that's really important to make people feel welcome in you know sport health and exercise landscape. As you said we, we we kind of flagged it at the start there isn't a dedicated women's sport platform in Ireland that certainly that I'm aware of and, and, and you've spoken about that as well Obviously, there are people covering women's sport in mainstream media. And do you, do you still think, though, that it's it's you found a gap and the gap is that the mainstream media are not doing a enough of it and two necessarily doing it that well. Some of the time it can be tokenistic at times. So do, do you feel that when you started the website, you obviously at that stage perceived there to be a gap? Do you still think that's there or do you see the mainstream media as kind of rivals to what you're doing? Or do you see that they're so far back in terms of the actual space they give women's sport that in some ways you don't have a whole lot to worry about in the sense of they're not going to encroach on what you're doing. I think in terms of the media coverage, like there's a serious lack of it. And yeah, there can be efforts made at different times to to cover different sports uh, or, or particular athletes. We do, see, we do see it with particular athletes that get coverage, but unfortunately it's not consistent enough. And, um, you know, this time and time again, where we've been tagged or we've seen online, uh, you know, posts that are showing you know, sports reports and um, there's not very much uh, coverage of women's sports and, and unfortunately sometimes there's none. So, um, yeah, we're there to to fill that gap and, and to make sure that female sports um, is getting covered in Ireland. And, you know, for me, I don't, I don't mind if we become obsolete at, at some point. Like, honestly, that's the goal is that uh, there won't be a requirement for her sport. Like, I would have loved to not have to set something up like this to make change, but unfortunately we did. We did. Um, so yeah, we're going to keep pushing it and, and hopefully like we will see more and more sports media coverage for female athletes uh, across mainstream media. And there will become a time where actually we can tap out and say, okay, our work here is done and, and we move on. And um, that's the, the idea is that you're getting comparable and, and fair sports coverage. Like in terms of the participation levels in Ireland, uh, it's 40.8% of participants in sport are women. And then you're talking about the coverage at Six uh, percent of sports media coverage at the moment is going to women's sports, so it doesn't even match up. We're not saying oh 50 50 and things are going to change different weeks. You know, if we've Katie Taylor fighting in ten days, yeah, like she's going to deserve the coverage, and maybe there will be a, a men's sports story that doesn't get run that weekend. And it sh- it should be different every week depending on what's going on. But like certainly, um, it's not where it should be at the moment in in mainstream media. I do, I do love that strapline of we're, we're trying to make ourselves obsolete. I think it, it's, it's, actually, it's a really novel one, right? Don't tell my business partner that one. Yeah, I was about to say, well, that, that, that kind of prompts my next question, which is 
take out the, the issue you're pursuing and talk about yourself for a second, if you would. Do you see the project as as a social project, as kind of like a political advocacy uh, project about gender or is it just a commercial project or is it all those things wrapped in one like what's your perception of this site you've set up uh, you know you're, you're talking about a lot of different things i'm just trying to get a sense of what is it in, in your own mind yeah look i set it up uh, to make a change for i suppose all the little girls uh, out there yeah i wanted to see the elite athletes get their coverage and i really felt like that they deserved it like there's you know different times where i knew of results of female athletes and you're just not seeing them anywhere else like and it's really disappointing when they've achieved something great and and they're not getting the same recognition. But honestly, it's it's for all the girls participating in, in clubs and who may not make it to top level again. You know, that's very, very few people will. But um, we want to see things change for the future. Like gender equality is so important and so topical across the board. And we just happen to be a piece of the puzzle um, in, in terms of gender equality in sport. That's the purpose of, of what we're doing. And, and we continue to kind of go back to that mission. Yes, it has to be financially viable. So that is always something that we are making sure that it is uh, for us. Like we we know what it's what we're worth in other businesses, and uh, it had to be something that made financial sense. It's not a charity; it's a social enterprise. But um, yeah, it's just it's just changing things because like I've had you know different issues in sports clubs, and I've heard of other stories in sports clubs, and you know it's just about trying to break down some of the barriers and girls just want to show up and train and compete no more than their male counterparts and sometimes there's so many more hurdles to get over and um, it becomes tiring so we want to we want to see those gone the ones that shouldn't be there we want to see them gone so that you know then people can decide if they want to be involved in sport or not but not that you feel like you've been forced out or you're just so tired of dealing with admin and logistics and all that kind of stuff that's going on the ground and it's just putting people off the sport you know and in terms of those those blockers or those barriers that there, we've talked about, this over-concentration and maybe over-focus on elite sport, and we all toast the incredible achievements of the Katie Taylors and the Kelly Harringtons and the Sonia O'Sullivans and, you know, the Bevan Parsons in rugby. You know, the list is endless, right? There, there, there's so many of them. But is there almost a danger in that, that a small selection of kind of elite athletes, when they do well, we all are very happy about that. We enjoy the experience of seeing them achieve and being successful but as you said earlier, that's such a small part. So is, is there a danger here that we kind of fix the elite part and just sort of say, OK, these various female athletes get lots of coverage. They're very successful. You know, the job here is done, whereas actually it's just far, far more broad than that. Yeah, look, there will be a ripple effect from that. And that's why we structured the business the way that we did. You know, it, it made sense to me in, in how to how to set up the business that way. And I knew that they weren't getting enough coverage. So that's why I... I started it that way and essentially it was to do that to start generating revenue that we can then redirect some of the revenue into grassroots and make a change uh there and with giving the you know top female athletes the coverage that they deserve which they deserve uh you're also increasing the visibility of role models which is so important and then that will also change uh from you know grassroots level as well so uh, there's kind of two sides uh, like two benefits to giving to giving them the coverage and um it was i guess a two-pronged approach from from my perspective i was like okay well if we can get something up and running and and, and we can start generating some some decent revenue then we can start to reinvest at, at ground level but i have had a couple of people say to me in the last maybe 12 months and particularly off the back of the paralympics and the olympics and you know the women's soccer team is doing really well at the moment and that type of thing um 
you know, how great women's sport is and we're in the best place ever and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's, it is great. Um, and I'm delighted that people are, you know, starting to know more names and they're sitting up and paying attention and they're getting decent media coverage and, and that type. And some of them, not all of them. But it, it is important to understand what's going on in your local club and understand what's going on across your, across your level. And, and like, as you mentioned, Sonia Sullivan there, and we're talking about Katie Taylor. I mean, Katie Taylor has been exceptional for, you know, 2012 was a medal, like a decade uh, longer. So, and then you're talking about Sonia Sullivan and, and, and all that she's done. So we have had elite performances before. Um, maybe the visibility and the, and the recognition has increased slightly, but yeah, it's it's back to the grassroots thing and what's going on in your local club, why are the hurdles and the barriers that they're facing? Um, in terms of some of the things that we come across um, in, in some kind of pitch sports, it's access to, is access to pitches and where you hear of senior, senior teams that are, uh, getting asked to get off the pitch or use uh, worse pitches and stuff for junior junior boys teams and I, I guess that's a little bit insulting to the senior women's teams um, it's about kit uh, you know whether they have kit whether it's men's kit or uh, you know in, in terms of um, investment in equipment and some other sports um, that men's teams are prioritised and um, you know honestly if you don't invest in the women's side of things and if you don't show them that you value them, it's very hard for them to want to stay involved. Then you also have the kind of, I guess, female-specific maybe topics. You know, you're talking about menstrual cycle and understanding that and breaking down the, the barriers there. Like 50% of the population are female. So at some point or another, um, they're going to have a period. So why is it so awkward and difficult to talk about? And why aren't we looking at it from a sports perspective and making sure that you know, and this is something that you have to get in at, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, like when they're just beginning to have their period and, and helping them with it. Um, and then that might be something that if they feel comfortable and feel like they know how to deal with, they will stay in the sport. And um, so it's about like logistics there and making sure that they they know what to do and what their options are and um, can keep participating and don't feel that, you know, for a week and month that they can't continue with their sport. Um, and then... You have, uh, you know, body image, like we've talked about shaving, um, you know, there's self-consciousness in the gym or training and, and that, that varies sport to sport as well. And um, it, that's not unique to to women like that. That obviously does go with men as well. But, you know, in terms of society, like how have we treated women, like how we've told them how they should look like and uh, this type of thing. And it's about, you know, as we said earlier with the rugby depicting the reality of the situation you know in some sports there's particular body types you know a, a gymnast is probably pretty short and uh, has specific muscle groups and a basketballer is probably pretty tall and might have different muscle groups and, and, and that all depends but can we please show that across the board so that uh you know 11 year old swimmer can relate to um you know her idol and and, and it isn't kind of this again picture perfect world that they can't relate to because that'll put people off and I know there's a lot of conversation around like social media and um you know magazines and everything like they have to see what normal is um you know again no no makeup and perfect hair and all of that kind of thing um nobody looks like that in the gym really uh or when they're training like you're covered in muck if you're on the pitch and like all that kind of stuff so uh what's the big deal like let's not hide it and and uh, make it more accessible to make some of these changes are, are to kind of you know, just sort of change sentiment almost, it sounds like what you're talking about. At the area that it would seem to me to be fruitful area is every single boy or girl goes to school every day. That's the first place where they're introduced to sport. Sometimes it can be almost compulsory, whether it's PE classes or whatever, right? So it, it's 
it's very much omnipresent in the curriculum, maybe not enough for some people. But do you think the school side of things is where we can make the most gains in this area? Because it's, it's, it's the daily life of everyone up until they're 18 years of age. That would seem to be the obvious place with sports clubs in school and then clubs that are kind of attached generally around the area of schools, et cetera. Is, is, would you see that as being a, a really kind of vital area? Yeah, obviously it makes sense in terms of the volume of people that are there. Like I, I wouldn't maybe necessarily be suggesting that like your SBHE teacher is doing it. Uh, I, I think we do ask a lot of kind of teachers and it's easy to say, Let them, let's give them the information and they'll talk about it. Um, I think maybe, in, and like you're saying, some of the school sports teams, um, maybe you could implement it there. But I think honestly, like there's a lot of people playing in their local sports clubs and you have the sports, you know, people there. So that can be a good place because the thing about at, at schools as well, um, you know, some people just aren't, aren't into it. So, you know, you, you, you want to tap into the people that are participating and, and, and to keep them participating. Um, but it just needs to be a more open conversation in general. You know, we've talked to a couple of people around what was the education for them like in terms of their menstrual cycle and you know, it, it's really not, it's really not very much. So yeah, it is about tackling it at, at the right time. Um, you know, informing girls about some of these topics um, in, in the right way. Like I think maybe getting speakers in that, that would probably be the best solution um, rather than kind of putting it on all on, on teachers. Um, but yeah, look, I, AP as a Leaving Cert subject is, is great. And um, I hope there's some discussion in some of those classes around it and um, just kind of educating and, and informing um, you know, people, you know, there's, there's a lot of research kind of ongoing now uh, around the different phases of the menstrual cycle as well. I know uh, Chelsea football team and the U.S. national team um, have been monitoring their cycles and um, it has it has really paid off. Uh, I mean, particularly the, the U.S. soccer team are flying. Um, so you, ha- you have to kind of understand your body um, and, and you see the thing about it is everybody's different so that's why some of the research can take some time um, but yeah there's there's more and more information out there I guess my advice to anyone who's listening would be that you know keep it simple don't don't overwhelm yourself with all the information out there but like get to know you know your cycle your body and um, see what's best but um, yeah so much to be done there there's some really important topics and if you're talking about uh, twice as many girls dropping out of sport as boys by the age of 14. That is when puberty is. That is when some of the self-consciousness uh, starts to slip in. And honestly, if you can get girls and women as far as 18, 19 in sport, uh, you have a pretty good chance of keeping them in it. Now, in terms of the, the day-to-day trends and so on, which you're, you're monitoring on your site, I mean, what, what, what are you noticing in terms of sports? Who's playing what? What's popular? What's less so? Or you'd just be really curious to know what, what kind of sports are are girls and women going with or I mean obviously we know some of the bigger ones but like what kind of trends are you noticing because it's as you say earlier in our conversation it isn't just going to replicate men's sports directly women will pick certain sports and say do you know what I prefer that one than this other one for their own reasons so I'd be really curious to know what what what, what things are you noticing on your site just in terms of what people are clicking on and traffic and so on I'd say in terms of the engagement that we get it's the the success stories and then the bad news stories is what we get the most engagement with. So um, when it comes to uh, records, medals, like everybody loves to see that and really celebrates that. So it's great that uh, there's such a community there supporting each other. And then people get really mad at some of these things that happen, um, you know, that where women aren't being treated properly. We've seen it with, um, you know, in there's been a couple of things in terms of the organization of GA and Camogie recently. And 
uh, fixtures being organised and moving around pitches and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, people get really frustrated then and, and then they're inclined to kind of engage with that as well. In terms of specific sports, I think there's been studies that have, have been done that demonstrate that girls and women are inclined to uh, go off into individual sports sooner than than boys and men and um, that they don't participate in, in team sports quite as much. And, you know, there can be a number of reasons for that. Um, I, and, I, and I would actually say that part of it is probably down to being able to string teams together. Um, you know, if you start to see a, a waiver in participation at whatever age and you're struggling to to field a team it's it's easier if you're involved in two or three sports maybe to pick the individual one because in, in that in that respect like you know you're the only one that needs to be relied on and, and you control you so um hopefully we'll see a, a change in that uh, there's huge huge things to be gotten from team sport and you know loads and loads of enjoyment um and and skills to be gained in terms of like communication teamwork and all that type of thing so and um, there, there are a couple of things that we've noticed, but yeah, people get excited about uh, about success, which is great. Yeah, we all like to see a winner, and uh, it's good to see the trend is continuing. And Ireland has been very successful in recent years, punching way above its weight across a whole range of sports. In terms of commercial link-ups, obviously, as you said earlier, yeah, this site will not survive unless it brings in income of some description, whether it's through sponsorship. Have you found? many commercial partners receptive to, to the site or are you looking to go down that road a little bit more? Like what, what kind of um, reaction do you get from, from people who could help you with keeping the site viable over the next few years? Yeah, so we put huge effort into in the first six months to building the brand and building our audience, our community and, um, you know, really developing a, it is a product, you know, developing a product that was of interest to brands. So, you know, we've a, a really quality audience. They're very engaged. Um, you know, they trust what we put out there, um, and they care about what we do. Um, in comparison to some bigger brands, um, you know, we can see our engagement rate and ours is significantly above industry average. So it's something we're really proud of. Um, we worked with a couple small brands on campaigns, maybe after that period of time, but we partnered with Lifestyle Sports in June last year, uh, which is great. You know, the largest Irish retailer. Um, our sports retailer uh, so that was that was really really good and um, have been excited to work on some interesting projects with them we've some nice content coming out soon in terms of interviews and that but it gave us I think you know more recognition and uh, solidified our space um, you know in the industry because people are, you know they're, they're cautious they're like trying to learn about who you are and that type of thing and you know then they see that this big brand is working with you um, it, it really does help so from there we moved on to our magazine in October um, and we worked with loads of big brands, which was which was fantastic. So we had that circulate with the business post going out to an audience of 40,000 people um, print. So we worked with Little Aeon, Revive Active and a couple more big brands there. Uh, so people were learning about more and more of what we did. And then for February, we moved on to the Her Sport Awards and um, Jim Plus Coffee were, a, were the title sponsor. We worked with Whoop, we worked with Revive Active uh sky and club force so it, it just keeps building and now you know we're we're working on a six nations show with opal so it's building and building and building and um there's more and more people coming to us asking you know what are you doing next and wh- where can we get involved so that's great to have um you know the the excitement brewing and everything is really really picking up now so we've loads coming down the track we're going to be launching the Hearst sports show which will be a regular show uh, we'll be launching that shortly um, and we'll be looking at some of the other sporting events and, and what we can potentially do there. Um, and we're also developing uh, a corporate strategy as well where we can work with with corporates in terms of education and information 
around the landscape of women's sport and that equality piece. Um, you know, there's a lot of parents or potential parents in there that, you know, we can help give them the information and, and kind of equip them with how to keep their girls in sport. So, um, yeah, we've loads of things uh, in the pipeline. But, um, yeah, I would say the past 12 months has everything's been moving pretty fast. And and, and you said earlier on, you, you see it uh, as a social enterprise. So, so do you see it in terms of your ambition for it all? Do you see it as being kind of, and I say this first word, just a commercial company in the future? Or do you see it giving money back into various causes or various campaigns relating to women's sport like how do you what's your ambition for this business or where do you see it based on the current momentum where do you see it being in say a year or two for for, for example look we'll be trying to obviously generate revenue and reinvest some of of the the profit that's made into that grassroots level structure so what can we do with schools what can we do with clubs and and um, you know it, it's it can be challenging maybe to make a, a lot of money in in that space um, but that's where, you know, the mass audience is. So that's where we want to get involved and, and make the change on the ground. You know, as we talked about earlier, the elite athletes are, are, are a particular percentage and, you know, your, your sports mad fans are a particular percentages again. So we want to hit across the board from, you know, three, four, five-year-olds right up to 75, 85, 95, whoever's involved and whoever's into it. Um, and it doesn't have to be organized sport either if it's, you know, Pilates or Zumba or, or whatever it might be that we can encourage people to to get involved in some capacity. So, um, yeah, look, we we would love to um, reinvest in different projects. And, and yes, the, the corporate campaign that we're looking to do, we will be working with schools on that as well. That's what the, the funds generated there will be for, is to, to get some uh, talks into schools and educate them. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the plans going forward. And one of the final things I wanted to ask you about is... is- there's been a real struggle and nobody's kind of come up with the answer to this yet, um, but there's been various suggestions. That's kind of, can we get, you know, women's sport in bigger stadiums? Can we get it bigger television audiences? I mean, sport, modern sport is made or broken on television generally, you know, certainly to date, there may be new models coming along. So what, do you think you're part of that, I suppose, in some way, because you're actually adding to visibility and just the momentum around it, the buzz generally around the whole area. But what do you think can be done to just get women's sport on a bigger stage, both in terms of the number of people looking at it, engaging with it, and on bigger platforms, you know, on the big television days, on the Saturday afternoons? RTE is obviously part of this in Ireland, but it's it's a global problem. So so that's something that nobody has quite cured. It's still in the more off-peak slots, or it's not necessarily covered just in volume terms as much. And attendances are still way behind men's sport. So what, what what do you think can be done there? Because a lot of people think that's that's the real key. Yeah, look, there's, there's huge potential there. And, you know, visibility is really important, whether it's uh, radio, television, um, online. There has to be a presence there and people have to know about what's going on. Um, Sweden actually have, have cracked it. Uh, they're showing 50% um, women's sport and 50% men's sport. So they, they pushed it, they made a change and... It has paid off. So the model is there for everybody else to look at and, and see how it went. In terms of, you know, advertising and marketing, you know, there's some sports events that we know are happening. And for somebody on a, a team that looks at women's sport all day, every day, um, you know, sometimes we, we we see very, very little advertising of some of the games. So how are you going to get people to the games if they don't even know that they're happening? An interesting point was made to me before about some of maybe with rugby and soccer and uh, maybe some of the 
GAA games as well, um, that often these games are being promoted. Uh, you know, there's previews in, on the paper, uh, on the radio. Um, if they're being shown on the particular TV channels, there's ads and, and that's just coming part and parcel with uh, the event because obviously like if we're to your shown again they're going to advertise the game because they want people to tune in so um can some of that marketing spend that's there can that be reinvested in, on the women's side and actually um invest more in the women's games and and when they're being shown and, and the women's events to let people know about it because you know media is doing so much to let you know about the men's side anyway um, so there was a, a point put to me before about, you know, maybe we actually shouldn't be spending um, on the men's side in terms of advertising until we've kind of rectified it and, and improved the women's. But I find it really disappointing when some of the organizations are, you know, saying that they're trying to push women's sport and, um, you know, build towards attendances and, and make those improvements. And then we can't even find where the tickets are, you know, to be bought or we haven't even seen the advertisements until, you know, a week before, three days before or whatever it might be. So certainly something that we want to to talk to a couple of them about and, and help them improve it and, and work with us on it. You know, we want to build something where maybe we can be directing people to get tickets off the particular site so that we can increase attendances there. Um, Little and the LGFA have obviously done a fantastic job in building that. Uh, audience um i think we'll see a, a full day in in croke park sooner rather than later for a, an all-ireland uh, ladies final and camogie association have done a pretty good job as well it's not quite at the same point as football but it's it's certainly building um huge excitement during the women's uh soccer team at the moment you know there's real potential there for a uh, world cup qualification and we need to build on that momentum get as many people down as possible strategies that have been employed as well with um with say get a football and camogie and hurling you know you hear of uh, you know child's tickets whether they're free or they're very very inexpensive and uh, you want bums and seats you want to build the atmosphere you want to show some somebody the game get the experience and and um, you know they will converse to you know lifelong supporters and you'll get them back again in the future so get them in and have a good experience and, and then you'll get them coming back. So yeah, it, it, look, it all feeds into each other. There'd be a couple of things that um, I think stand out as, as opportunities. The pipeline of, of, as you say, World Cup qualifications coming up, you have um, the season in GA coming up over the summer. So there's plenty of things that can excite people. That's not going to be a problem. So it, it, I think you've, just in the few minutes you've had there, you've given us a nice diet of stuff coming our way. So get out there, sample it, go as a spectator, watch it on television. It, it's all to be encouraged. And when you're finished, go on to hersport.ie where you can read more in-depth coverage and, and all the other issues and, and fallout from different games and what people are saying. Good luck with the project. I think a lot of people listening, Neve, will be glad you didn't do the PhD <laughs> from, from their own selfish point of view because you, you've definitely brought something new to the, uh, the media market here in Ireland and, and we wish you the best of luck with it over the next few months and thanks for coming on Business Impact today. No problem at all. Thanks so much for having me. Now, if you enjoyed this week's episode of the UCD Business Impact Podcast, please subscribe to episodes on Apple Podcast or Spotify. We cover a broad range of topics with insights from business leaders around the world, so there's sure to be something there for everyone. I'd like to thank our production team of David Corscadden, Ed Gormley and Mike Liffey. They work tirelessly in the background, sourcing interviewees, editing, promoting episodes and everything in between. I've been your host, Emmett Oliver. We hope you can join us next time on UCD Business Impact. Yeah.